Welcome to the culture of New York basketball. The metro area is the mecca of basketball in the minds of many. Its iconic brand of streetball is renowned around the world. There's a long list of legends who've come out of these parts, but there's also an even longer list of should-haves that never got their shot. Dribbling Dimes is the happy place for the hoops junkie. This is where the legendary tales and the unknown stories will reside. We'll be speaking with a variety of guests from all over whose ties to the New York game gives them a unique perspective to share. I'm Manny Digital, and along with my co-host Emilio the Poet, we're going to take you off the bench and into the culture of New York area hoops. So lace up and listen to Dribble and Dimes. You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you want to be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next and they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. She hails from the island of St. Lucia, but grew up in the parks of Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. She attended Boys and Girls High School, where she got her start at organized indoor hoops. Later, she made her way to Iona College, where she caught the eye of the athletic director, who took notice of her athleticism and gave her a shot at walking on to the Lady Gales team. She's coached collegiate women's programs at Monroe College, where she was a part of four regional and three national junior college athletic association chips. Yeshiva University, where she won Hudson Valley Women's Athletic Conference Coach of the Year in 2014. She now sits at the helm of the women's basketball program at Westchester Community College as their head coach. In addition, she runs her new flex hoops program out of Mount Vernon and coaches a ladies Japanese volleyball team out of Keio Academy. And still, she has time to sit and rap with dribbling dimes. Up next, it's Nesta Felix. All right, off the dome, off the dome. <laughs> All right, so welcome to Dribbling Dimes. Uh, my name is Manny Digital, and I'm here with uh, the head women's coach of the Westchester Community College. What's the What's the name of the mascot? Lady Vikings. The Lady Vikings. Our, there you go. Our mascot is Chester the Viking. Chester the Viking. <laughs> Dope. Nesta Felix. Um, Nesta, thank you very much for agreeing to meet with us. I know you have a very busy schedule. Um, for those of you listening to us right now, she is... She runs her own program called the New Flex Hoops Program. Uh, operates that, coaches a bunch of different groups of children there. Uh, coaches a, an international group of, of young girls uh, in volleyball. Japanese so KO Academy. KO Academy, exactly. Uh, and she's also obviously the, the head women's coach here at Westchester Community College, which is hosting us today. Uh, she was kind enough to invite us to her office to have this uh, session with her. Uh, so, so... I met Nesta back in, I want to say it was 1999, actually. No, I know for a fact it was 1999 because that's when I attended Iona College. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was uh, joining an organization called Groove by Groove, and she happened to be very cool with a lot of the brothers on the campus. And she was always very charming, witty, 
just a fun loving person and I, like I said I was there for just a year but I knew I mean she was everywhere she did everything I don't believe you played ball in 99 did you I didn't know till I didn't play till 2000 right really. right yeah. and that you only did a single season I did a for, season for, for I Iona College Right, so volleyball was the the main yeah, sport yeah, you yeah. played, but you were a dual athlete. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to say, like, your charisma, just th- the way you carried yourself, and it's still to this day, like, I mean, we just saw each other in the parking lot, and I could see <laughs> the vibrance was still there. And I know you damn tired right Thank now. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, what, what Dribble and Dimes does, and, and for you and also for the guests, the whole purpose of this podcast is really just to talk about the culture of New York basketball, mm-hmm. right? And so I think your story uh, for on many levels is very interesting. Just kind of, you know, where I knew you to be back in 99, which was pre you playing for, mm-hmm. for Iona, um, till now. Like there's a lot of, obviously a lot of time that's mm-hmm. passed, but also you ventured into a lot of very interesting things that, that to be honest, it doesn't surprise me just based on what I knew about you then, but like how you've been able to merge so many different things, um, f- especially from the basketball perspective, mm-hmm. I think is uncanny. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're not <laughs> sleeping right this second says a lot. Uh, so so what I wanted to do, I guess, is start off by really just understanding who Nesta Felix mm-hmm. is, right? Um, we could talk about the accolades and all the different things that you've right. been able to uh, achieve over mm-hmm. the years, but fundamentally this being a basketball centric podcast Mm -hmm. what was it that created nesta felix's Mm -hmm. interest and passion around Mm -hmm. the game of basketball well well you hit it on the head with new york you know i I, here i am this this kid i was born in the caribbean but i grew up in brooklyn and you know to and i was always a tomboy so to be a you know the park was where it was at you know the the kingston troop park and marcy park and all these parks in brooklyn and i had two brothers well when i was younger my younger brother wasn't even born yet but the thing to do in brooklyn was to go play ball it's a hoop and so you know there weren't tennis courts and still aren't it wasn't golf courses and lacrosse these are things i know now but basketball was what you did if you were in brooklyn and you're an athlete and so you know i was raw athlete but i was i was raw basketball but I was athletic Mm -hmm. and so that's the game that a lot of girls aren't exposed to as much anymore that street ball game and so when I walked into a corner park I didn't see a whole bunch of girls it was the guys and so um so you know and that and that never made you waver like that didn't intimidate you I mean it's either I play with the guys or I don't play right and so um and so you know part of you know it's funny because I don't even consider it sometimes with you know the tenacity that I have now and just who I am, but that is all part of it. And so that street ball life is, is everything. And so, you know, even when you think of movies like He Got Game, a lot of times you see the guys out there, the moms like, the lights are out, you gotta come in. Yeah. But there were girls out there. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes every park had one or two, but there were girls out there, they were, they were balling. And, and so that's a big part of it. And not even knowing what I was doing then, I just did what was culture. And so it was just a big part of it. And so even when I when I got to Iona, yep. I didn't go to Iona on a scholarship. I didn't. My, I came from family who didn't know about looking for a college for their daughter to play ball. That's it. So just, that's actually a really mm-hmm. good point, mm-hmm. right? Because I I always have this vision of you or this memory of you as a volleyball player mm-hmm. for whatever. And mm-hmm. Did you play? I volleyball? played two years of volleyball. But ninety nine, did you play volleyball? I played. Nope. I played my second year. So sophomore and, and junior year. I feel maybe which it was is like. Why. Maybe and so recreationally, or I something? actually did well. If you ever went to the gym, um, I was probably always there. But I actually 
practice with them, I believe. Okay. I just couldn't play. Okay. We had to red shirt because I didn't I wasn't couldn't go through clearinghouse. Got and it. so if you're coming from the city and you don't know somebody that knows how to go through the process of college, chances are you're not going to play because you have to prepare for college ball way before you get there. Mm. Um, and so so I couldn't play either one of the sports because I hadn't gone through AAC NCAA clearing. Got it. So and you so, so you ended up at Iona off the strength of your academics. Academics. Got it. And okay. um and lo and behold, like you know, uh, you know, Iona wasn't cheap. No. So people thought I was on a on a acad- on a uh, athletic scholarship, but I worked. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. I worked. Mm. I, I had the five thirty a.m. shift, twelve Damn. o'clock basketball practice, the two a days, and I was in all of that. And so the hustle you see now, it was always me. But I always say, like, you know, the streets, the, the hoop, it makes you. And sports has been a caveat for everything in my life. Mm-hmm. It's been the common language that I can walk into a room full of guys, be like, yo, you saw the game last night? Right. And then I can walk into a room with young children and be like, you guys saw the game? Or I can connect it to them and then I can walk into my ladies and get respect because I can play. So you grew up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy? Best time. Best time. Went to Boys and Girls High School. Oh, there's a lot of ball players that yep. came out of Boys yep. and Girls High School. Yep. So, so you fell in love with the sport of basketball, mm-hmm. just playing in the park. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, that was the thing to do mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. What? So, you you carry that forward. I mean, to present day, but I don't want to skip too many mm-hmm. steps. You you then you you utilize that as a social as, uh, mechanism mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you bonded with a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. There was no sense of fear. Now, for instance, so I have an 11-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. She, the first opportunity she had to play ball in a team environment was with boys. And it's different. And it's different, It's right. different because for me, I, my naivety, you know they say that well, sometimes ignorance is bliss. It, bliss. I was very ignorant. Mm-hmm. So I was like, here I am, this like, I literally walked into Iona during a volleyball practice preseason before school started. And I was like, oh, I want to play. And so the coach goes, okay, um, come to trials tomorrow. I was like, okay. Right. And so here I am, like, not realizing I'm walking into a Division One right. school. Right. And I'm like, okay, when is trials? So that literally shadowed in this level of naivety I had. It was perfect it was for the blessing. time. And now I look back, like, cracking up, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, all the things that I know. And so when I, you know, even when I coach, I, I, I tell the ladies if I knew or what I knew then. And so, um, but, but I'm grateful for what I didn't know. Yeah. Because it made me fearless. Right. And so, like you said, your 11-year-old daughter, she's got to go. At 11-year-old, she's probably won't get to just experience it just because she can do it. Just because. Right. She already has that pressure. Exactly. She's got like, that negativity. I got to make the team. I got tryouts right. coming up. And, and, you know, what's the perfect balance? I mean, you you want to prepare them for the world ahead. But right. what's the perfect? Just allowing them just to enjoy it. Yeah. And so, you know, even when I coach, I told my ladies today, I said, you are not enjoying the game. You can tell. I mean, you and can I tell. can I can say it because I know you're not enjoying the game. Because right. if you were enjoying that game, like you'd be coming off, and and I was enjoying coaching more than they were enjoying playing. playing. You know, I could felt the they create their pressure, and I was like, I'm not a coach that yells. And even when I yell, I yell. I'm like, you got this. Like I'm a. It's a positive I, thing. It's a po- I'm like, come on, ladies, you're not giving me what I want, but you can. Right. And so I'm not like this effing sucks. I'm not. I've never been that kind of coach. So right. I'm like, I'm enjoying this more than you are. And so, um, I, and I think it's because of my roots with the game. Like you know, I love it so much. I appreciate it. Everything I do, and um, and and, and New York ball is, is 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 where it's at. So what I mean, do you think your hustle? comes from does basketball play a part in that or is that just familiar oh it's a big part of it um and 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 again i was always the underdog even though personality and charisma was me with a lot of sports i was the underdog because the opportunities i didn't have um and so for example at iona 
I didn't realize then that I was one of the only minorities on the team. Mm. So, so there were things that I know now. I'm like, holy smoke. Yeah. Um, and so um, I was a 3.6 GPA student. I didn't realize how big that was then. Right. Um, but yet, you know, I remember, and I remember that one, when I was in college, they had selected um, the top academic athletes to represent the college. And even though I was this big personality on campus, they didn't choose me to represent the college. Mm. And there were some things, it's like I was always trying to hustle. And then here I go, this walk on on a division one basketball team. So I'm trying to get a spot to play. Right. Um, but again, I don't even know what I'm fighting for. I just want to play. You just like, want to get in. Yeah. Play? And so just always being the underdog. And what happened is now every play, now I get to choose all these players and no player on my roster is invaluable. So okay, I was every say, player. How much important. how much pressure does that put on you though? It's 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 like I have ongoing relationships with them because they're so significant. Even when I recruit, I don't recruit like okay, these are gonna be my top five. These are gonna be my coming off the bench. I recruit every player I bring in. I want them to have a spot on my court. Right. So and I tell them that I'm like everyone here has an equal position. You have to work. And so the player that's not getting time, I pull them over. And I'm having ongoing conversation on how they can mm -hmm. and how I should because I would like to put five on and five off or mix it up. But I don't play with them like, okay, if there's time, you'll get in. Right. And if you don't get in, I'll say, you know, I just need you to be able to hit on that outside or I need you to be able to pull that shot. So I'm always having communication. They're never insignificant to me. That's dope. And, so, and it's crazy because that's why what I went through was important. You know, if I hadn't been on the bench before and then now in my old age, I still compete. I'm a star a lot of places I compete because I'm a veteran. Mm -hmm. I know the game very well. And how many 38-year-old women still play and compete when you're still doing it? Your, your level of IQ is so high. Right. And so I can play with my younger, my athletes now. They respect me where I go. I'm respected with the men. And so it's a great place to be. And I'm truly like, it's all part of like that New York City ball. Yo, but let me, I'm, I'm a 38-year-old dude too. But here's my problem. My ankles, not the same no more. My knees, probably not going to make it past a couple games. Because you probably stopped playing a couple of, it's been a while, how long? Long, long time. That's long a big time. part of it, too. Um, and so I've definitely gone through injuries. Um, when I was at Iona, I had probably my first slight meniscus during volleyball season. Um, I had an orthoscopic surgery. Um, years <laughs> later, I had my ACL. I did my patella. I did my, I had my um, pedotarsal. Like, I know body parts Damn. like a doctor. Damn. Right, I can show you scar. I got war wound. But um, I thank God every day that I can still play. Like, yeah. that's the greatest thing. And, of course, you know, like, you saw Jordan come back when, you know, he wasn't wearing 23 anymore. His game wasn't, wasn't above the, the rim. Same, but his IQ but his, was still there. Right. He And so that's the role you play. Like, even today, I had a scrimmage with my ladies, and I had to force myself not to step on the court so I could assume the role of point guard and show them the difference they would mm. make. And I, I talk it to them, and I said, if I stepped on, I knew all of them would start to score. All of them. And I'm trying to create that in one or two of my players now. I know I, know, I need you to become this so that everyone around you can be better. And we're talking them through that. Um, so you so, had to fight the urge to get on the and court. And I'm like, ladies, because I knew, I know their scoring potential. And so I need one of them to, to be that catalyst mm. so that they can start to score. Mm -hmm. And I had them scrimmaging men today, and so which is dope. Like, that I, is dope. Yeah, I had them doing that. They've been scrimmaging on Fridays. I've been keeping the men in the open gym behind, and they've been scrimmaging. And so these big guys were on the court, and our ladies were playing, and they were down the fourth quarter. Um, I had game situation clock, and um, it was... 46 to 50, 47, 56, and about three minutes. I put three minutes on the clock, and I told them I need you to catch up. And when my guards came, she pulled the three. Um, they went pressed, and but I was still the energy for them. I was like, come on, ladies. And I'm, I'm like, ladies, I don't want to be your cheerleader, your coach, and your off-court player. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to create that energy for them, but it's all the excitement that I come with. I'm like, ladies, and when I started to coach, they started to win because they're used to my energy. I'm like, come on, press, trap, trap, trap. I'm literally, and they're doing what I say, right. but I want you to be able to do that without my voice. But that's hard. 
<laughs> but at the certain levels, see, I have players who I'm trying to prepare for the next level. Right. And they need to be able to do that. That's the difference. When you come in and scout a player, that's the difference. And I'm preparing them to go Division two and Division one at the four-year level. How big – so when you're recruiting – how significant is it for the people that you're recruiting to go D1 or, well, not other D2 necessarily. Well, yes, yeah? yes, four okay. year because remember, oh, got it, got right, it, got what it. I'm doing here is I'm giving them a scholarship, but my goal for every, I have four ladies who will be leaving me. Okay. My goal is that they are they get into a scholarship program. See, and remember, I didn't know that going to Iona. Now right. I know. So that's why these schools are up here. Yep. These are their goals. And so maybe I might have a player who goes to Division Three Lehman, but all these, most of these schools, well, St. John's a big Division One. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't have a guard that's ready for that. But I put that Iona, it would be dope. And dope. so I already reached out to the coach. I sent her emails. And so my goal is to start to create footage and communicate with them about what it takes to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I have a guard who can play there if she incre- if she continues to develop and improve. And I can prepare some tape. But that'd be great. And as a coach, like, you know, I'm yes. like, man, I really. It's like I really, one of your kids going off to You know, to and just honestly not having a college tuition and playing ball. Like that. Can we not talk about that? <laughs> are you still paying yours? Because I'm still paying mine. Well, I can tell you that I may have it. Mine might have been a lot less than you because I had a big academic one. <laughs> I won't say that it wasn't a big so, academic. So my brains wasn't right, nor was my athletic <laughs> ability right. <laughs> yeah, I did all right. If, if it was Fayona, I did a year at law school. If it was it was Fayona, I probably would have been like, I, I left college with like $14,000. <laughs> Yo, next, let's, not, let's talk about something else before I get upset. <laughs> Wait, but you also have a master's degree. I do, I do, I okay. do. Do you owe money for that? Absolutely not. I went for free. Damn, that's not. <laughs> I don't play games. Where you been all my life? You should have been connected. I told you. Yo, don't worry. We, right yo, you're not leaving me. <laughs> and I just said to somebody, so I'm on my next ac- ac- academic mission, but I don't want to pay for it. So I'm trying to be on my grind researching. Oh, I'm not worried about it. You'll be fine. Yeah, so I'm on the move. But, you know, everything we do is about the next generation. And so I get to tell them. And like I said, I I say over and over, basketball is a caveat to do a lot of things. And for me, you know, it's in New York. And people compare New York ball now. You know, my biggest struggle is, like today I had practice, and I felt like my ladies were dragging it. And I'm like, man, practice was everything for me. I couldn't wait to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the midst of everything. Even now, I look forward to practices. Yep. And so that's that's why I haven't stopped playing, because I haven't stopped playing. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, those who don't teach, I'm fortunate to be able to do and teach. And, you know, the the level has changed. Um, I love it, and it's it's adrenaline. It's a grind. I still play volleyball. Um, I rush to the volleyball team's practices, and my women's, my girls. I mean, I'm hitting on them all practice, you know. And it's just so it's you get to be a big kid, and the things a lot of people lose. Yeah. Um, I had three of my sports interns that they shadowed me on Monday, and one of my guys he goes, "Yeah, this is what I want to do," and I say, "Yeah, but you you got to be able to handle what I'm giving you in the office." Because it's all collective, yes, and yeah. he, he, you know, I said, and he's a college student. Okay. So I said, you know, I do get to enjoy a lot of what I do, but um, you know, but there's a lot of hard work that was behind it. Sure, but they don't see so, that. Right. They only they don't most people it. just see the outcome of. Yeah, all they don't that. understand it, and so um, but I'm very grateful. Um, and I, I appreciate sports. I told I tell people, you know, they say the common language is a smile. Sure. I said basketball is a big language too. You know, in soccer, those are. Yeah. You can you can reach a lot of young people and and you know Mount Vernon particularly where I'm at that's that's a community of a lot of um a- academic there's a large disparity mm-hmm. between the performances of our children and you know I go into schools where the children are reading three and four grade level behind yeah, there and they're and 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 they want to all be a part of New Flex and um and you know like I said I used to have girls because I wanted to help that dynamic and the boys just took over there's such a large need 
and you know, had I not been exposed to the game, um, and Gina Ariami said that I was reading one of his articles at UConn. He said that what makes him a great coach is that he used to work with young children. And I think about it all the mm. time because now people try to hire me for private sessions all the time, sure. and I'm not cheap. And I'd rather not do a session than to go down on my price because that's just my time. Yeah. And but I understand why I can connect with young children. I've been doing it so long. And to know the game, no, but it's different than to know how to teach young people the yeah, game. Yeah, it's a whole different and thing. And it's very different. And just also to connect. You know, you can have a coach that just comes and say, all right, dribble, dribble. But most children, when you leave them, like, yo, you know, it's Coach Phil coming back. But I love them. Mm-hmm. And so that's such a great dynamic. And when you're teaching them, you're breaking the sport. So my ladies, they get that also. Like, you know, a lot of times, just, just because they're at a college level, they've missed a lot of, of, of fundamental training. You know, um, you know, most of the children you get here haven't gone to AU. They couldn't afford AU. They yeah. couldn't. When we were playing in the streets, you know, we weren't playing AU right. basketball. Right. You know, that wasn't New York ball. You were playing in the trenches. You were out there in the street balling and surviving. Yeah. And if you wanted to get the rock, you better go get your own rebound. <laughs> and if you wanted to go to home, you got to figure out how to do it on your own because no one's passing to you. And you better and not so, be calling all those ticky-tack fouls. You I know, that's right. Home. Right. So, so when I went to Iona, I literally... They used to call me, they used to bring me in, like Tyreek and Phil and all these guys. Yeah. When you guys used to come in, like, they'd be like, yo, Ness. And Can't that handle was, that. And again, I wasn't as skilled as I am now, but I was just such an athlete. Yeah. Like, I was a super athlete. When I think about it, like, I'm like, man, I made the basketball team because the athletic director saw me in the gym one day, Richard Pet, Pet and he goes, why aren't you on our team? Just like that. Just like that. And he goes, For a D1 you? program that, I mean, walk-ons is hard always, to come by. I was just such a ball head. And then um, I used to play, I used, I used to play about six to nine hours of basketball a day. Because remember, they used to have open gym at 12. Yeah, yeah. They used to have open gym at like three. And they used to have another session. And I used to hit up those sessions at Iona. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I was a ball fiend. I, I just, can't even call myself a basketball <laughs> fan no more. Because you want some other level. It was like, but I just wanted to play. And, and, and again, maybe it's my energy. I, I definitely have a lot of it, but. I appreciate it. Like, I cannot say that every part of, of the game is important to me. And now, you know, just, just, just breaking it down the dynamics, I want more for um, basketball, but I want to be able to put the opportunities that it gives in front of our children before they miss it. Yeah. Because, again, you know, you have your children coming out. Some of the children come from Brooklyn. A lot of them just won't get exposed. Even the team we played today, it was really a culture. Mm-hmm. Some Japanese, the girls I coached paid $70,000 a year to go to school there. Wow. The girls we just played against there, Woodlands. Woodlands is one of the, um, it's probably one of the lower income schools, largely minority schools. Okay. So so you walk in, you see the girls twice our size, but I figured that they would have less skill. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said to you, I'd meet you at a certain time because I right. figured the game would end quicker. Okay. And so my girls, um, I'm literally going to be doing private, private sessions with them when the season ends. And those girls probably won't have that. So right. you know, they have all this skill and talent. So there's no way I cannot do what I do. Because I have to kind of even the even even even, even the playing field, and so it's very. Oh, important. I see. That, no, I that's to, that's so but that's I a am, humongous undertaking. Not so, not to say that it's impossible, but at least I give some ladies opportunities. Like, like the young lady I told you that's playing here, she was my one of my first children in Newflex. Okay, come from loving mom. The mom, you know, was a working mother, and she ended up going to Virginia State. And so when I got this job, she was already there. Mm-hmm. And then she called me. She goes, Coach, you know, I want to play. I said, did you speak to the coach? She goes, you know, I said, no, I need you to go to the office and ask him, are you going to play? She was like, he said to come to tryout. If you're at Virginia State and you're coming to tryout, that yeah. means you're not making the team. Right. Because he would have already recruited his 15 players. That's right. If you make one of the spots, you're probably going to be on the bench for as long as you can. Exactly. So I said, just have an honest conversation. Say, Coach, what are the chances of me playing? And so lo and behold, she calls me, Coach, I want to come to New York to play. 
So she came here and she's playing now. Wow. And so my goal for her is the minimum of Division Two school. So we play NIAC next week. I told her she has to be open to all those options because that's still a full scholarship yeah. school. And so that's the goal. And she wouldn't have known that. She wouldn't have had that. Somebody wasn't there to bridge that gap. So these things are very, very, very important. Um, and, and, and I'm glad because of all the experiences I've had because now I can really get to work for these children. I can make informative decisions for them. You know. So I, I want to take a few steps back. Mm-hmm. And then I do want to come continue back mm-hmm. on what you're doing current day because it's, it's I mean it's imp- there's there's so many layers mm-hmm. to what you're doing mm-hmm. right now that I don't think we have enough I'm gonna say tape <laughs> even though it's all digital but boys and girls high school oh my god did you play basketball I did I sucked how how yeah, like I explain was so bad like I actually had a video that I recorded over by accident like a video cassette like oh, the, yeah. when it went in yeah and I remember there was a guy Mobley he was the coach at the time and I was what grade was I in because I was in my senior year I had come back from the Caribbean and I was an athlete so that it was one of those things where they were trying out and they needed players for the team typical high school story yeah and the coaches go around and ask who wants to play I was one of eight players and wait the team only had eight players yep, yep. Girls team. Right. Maybe that's my volleyball team. We had a small roster. And (laughs) I remember, like, I watched the tape, and and I was athletic, so I was on the court. So I would grab the rebound. They're like, Nesta, get it. They're like, now pass it to Vasilia. Like, I could hear him screaming (laughs) for me to pass. You know, you're at that young age, and he's using his athlete. And that's where I was. Like, I was 14, 15, 15, 16. I was 16, 17. And I was an athlete being put on the court, but I didn't have the skill yet. Yeah. Like I was still underdeveloped in my junior year, my senior year of and, high school. And you, I mean, did you understand the game well enough to be? Definitely not. Definitely didn't okay. go home and watch the game. This right. is when, this is 1999. This is when, like, New York Knicks was up there in the charts. Yeah. When they were going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I was just coming out, and I was just really learning. But, again, I was playing. I wasn't getting extra training on the side. I didn't have enough time during, you know, everything I learned was from practice. But from coming on the team, yeah. but they needed players. And then right after I went to college. <laughs> and so all of it, so most of the rest of my game was streetball. Right. The streetball game. So I was playing streetball all the time. And just literally, I was from freshman. And remember, freshman year, I couldn't play any sports anyway. Yeah. But I was at every open gym. I was balling. That freshman was thing to do. college. Freshman college. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I learned through trial and error. That's insane. I, I literally remember when I started playing and they gave me a playbook. I was coming from volleyball season. It was a binder. It wasn't this big. It was probably, it was like, you know, one of those tiny binders. Okay, yeah, the thin joints. Right, and that was the playbook. And here I am, this kid. I hadn't played AU, so how the heck am I going to understand what a backdoor screen is, come up high right. post and come off the screen and cut? And, what? So on top of playing, you had to learn. I just want to play ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so did that make it boring for you? No, it was hard. And okay. so, but again, I still came out. I was picking things up really quick, but there were just a lot of things I didn't know. It was almost like somebody was saying to me, you have to learn Japanese so you can play basketball. Right. And that's what I'm saying when I say the gap. That's a huge gap. Yeah. And I have ladies who walk into this gym who don't understand certain things. So can you imagine? And that's why I said, so, you know, there's not a whole lot of teaching when you play in the street. You just come out and ball. But there's not, there's a difference between street ball and college level ball yeah. and, and, and high school team ball. You know, there's a big difference. What would you say, I know, I think I know the answer, but mm-hmm. street ball has got its own style. Mm-hmm. It's, ve- it's very, very, uh, it's not just New York, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying for the mm-hmm. purpose of this conversation, very New York, right? Mm-hmm. Then you've got the, the D1 collegiate style of ball, which is, I'll say probably more refined and there's a lot more rules and tactics. What was the the most significant difference that you noticed between the two worlds? 
outside of the playbook. One is survival. Was, okay. Like if you're gonna play in the street, you gotta be able to play. Like you, again, you don't have to have all the skills, but you've gotta be okay with the physical, the physicalness of it. Okay with the competitiveness. Okay, you're not gonna cry because you're gonna get pushed. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna cry because of violations. You've got to survive. Fundamental ball. You also have to learn when you get once you get in there. And that's why sometimes street ball players have a hard time transitioning. Yeah. Because now you have to pass. Now, okay, you might have traveled all your life in the streets. Now it's not happening. You might have held the ball for 20 seconds while wow. you were doing all your and one stuff. You got to let it go after five seconds if there's a man on you on defense. There's a lot of different dynamics. So there are rules that govern collegiate or team basketball um, that you can get away with. You know, I mean, you know, if you make a fancy move, of course you might travel three times, but everybody's right. more concerned with how fly the move looks. So, right. and a lot of our young people grow up watching that, and, you know, they have to find the balance. And so it's good to be exposed to both. By no means should a athlete that's going to the next level not have played in the streets. Right. By no means. Do, do you find your players that, are, that you're coaching now, especially here mm-hmm. at, at WCC, does the way the game happens today so i'm talking about like concentration on three points uh the defensive the lack of defense that that occurs do you find that to be prevalent and challenging as far as how to coach definitely challenging definitely challenging and and you know the two guards i was telling you about i actually picked up one of the guards from the bronx when my street coaches found her she was a girl that played in 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 the court in the park you got, wait, tell me, you said street coach? Oh, yeah. Like, I got a guy who was, like, in the Bronx who, like, called me, like, yo, I just saw this girl. Yeah. And you so got, one yo, of my you guards. You got ringers and also. One of my guards, she's 27 years old. We <laughs> met her in the Bronx, and she's a first time in college. We had a high school degree, and she's playing. And she can play. Damn. She can play. And so, um, but she struggled her first season because she was trying to adjust how to just do what she wanted with now traps. Because mm-hmm. no one traps in street ball. Yeah. No one's running a three-man trap. No one's going full court press. Right. So how do you handle that all of a sudden when you're used to a set style of going one-on-one? Right. And so that's the biggest transition mm. because you can control players who are not exposed to that if you know how, you know, um, if you're not to play good defense. Um, because usually, especially at this level, you're not going to find five guards on that team of five great guards unless you're at UConn. Right. Even then, you know, but you can find a way to stop those players if you're a good defensive team. Most of our ladies are coming here are not because they learn the offensive style. They don't exactly. learn defense, and that's what and trying to teach it. And they're also excited about offense. So now on defense, they don't they're not connecting it. So you know you're doing all the screaming on defense, and like literally like today we were pre- we were so quiet. I had to put everybody on the baseline, and I'd say if I don't hear voices, we're gonna go on the baseline again. So I'm trying to pro deprogram them. Got it. Like I need noise on defense at Division One level. They're screaming. You're hearing that ball, 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 ball. Yeah. And so, um, and so, in, and coaches are still like, I want more, mm-hmm. um, because that's where you, you know, running presses. That's where, that's where, that's the difference between the winning teams and uh, and the losing teams. That level of defense, and um, and then of course you got your your scars, your players who your playmakers, players who could create shots off the dribble. You got to have some of that. You know, you have some teams who are very controlled, but they don't have extra. Like I was actually at a at a practice, a Division One practice. I won't say the name for it. Sure. And um, I walked into the practice and I said, they're okay, but. They don't have that umph. Mm. Like and they were a division one team. Who'd you tell that to? The coach? I said it to um I said it to some people that I was I was there you with. Were with. And okay. actually when I came back to my ladies, like I felt that two of my guards here would add to their roster and would change the dynamic of their roster because they're not afraid. Okay. They're like attitude players. You need some attitude. So you saw a lot of hesitancy. Yeah, I saw some I saw fundamentally sound, good things pivoting, right. coming off the screen, good things, but I didn't see a playmaker. Mm. 
you know, that would take that game, that team to another level. Do you do you find that to be lacking just as you're looking at your opponents? Mm-hmm. Is that generally a lacking aspect of a team? No. Like genuine no, playmakers? No, no. You'll find it in some teams. Like, Holstos actually won the conference. They're Division Three. Okay. They actually won. A lot of their players came from New York. In fact, most of their roster was from New York City. Mm-hmm. New York City schools. And so, and Holstos, where it's at. It's at right on Grand Concourse, yeah, so in Bronx, yeah. Bronx and New York, and so and he had the best of the Bronx, like some of the best of the Bronx that didn't go to the next level were on that roster, and so they, they size wide, they ran, they were not afraid, they were players who were like mean girls mm-hmm. in a good sense, yeah, of yeah basketball yeah. and no fear, yeah, you you want that because um, you know it's a lot of it is here. Sometimes you find players who are less skilled, but they are not afraid. And just like in every sport. And so, you know, that's the New York City. When you hear New York ball, you expect that, especially if you've grown up playing ball. You expect that New York swag. Um, and that know, toughness. That, right, and that toughness. And and I'm finding myself now, I'm trying to tell the ladies I like the swag, but I need you to now start to add some of the fundamental discipline on defense and, 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 and go to the hole. I had a girl who was so good. She was from Mount Vernon last year. Mm-hmm. I literally had to give her the green light every time to go. Like one, She was like seeking permission type of thing? One game, and she's so when I tell you off the her handle is sick. Oh man! And when we ha- we had a game against a team last year, and every time I was like go, and she would go like it will, and she would go past one and two and three and score. Literally five times in a row she did it, and she went down and sprained her ankle. Oh. And she's so good, and she's that good. I mean, pull up shot shot is like just the truth. So she she knew she well a she knew she could do it. But she didn't. She would hesitate to do so until you said, let's go. Right. And she would kill every time she she went. Right. Why? So then that means that it's not a, it's not her nature to take control, even uh, though she has the skill. Okay. And so some of us, our nature, like someone give me the ball and I can take control. Part of it is age. You, we're older. So if we play with a younger group, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll teach them. Yeah. But you sometimes you find people at that age that have it. And so being able to have and that's where you find your guards. and you find. But a player that knows, like, look, I'm good. It's okay. Like in basketball, you're allowed to have yeah. attitude. Of course. The top players, they have attitude. Yeah, they they have like take no, no and, they, nothing. and that attitude fuels them further. It's like, yeah, I'm unstoppable. Like, look at every great player. What do they say? I'm unstoppable. Yeah. And it's okay to say it without saying, well, he has an ad. Or he right, has right, right, right. No, in, in sports. That's how you got to do you that. You got to feel that way. And so, and then you make your game rises to your, to your, to your, your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm looking. That's if I, if I had my, that's why I started to bring the guys here. But if I had my time, the time I would like sessions would be but preseason. We'd spend at least once a week in, in the streets of New York ball and like, Yep, like you why, know, why not? Season. Why does that not happen? Is there some well, you know, regulations some, around it? Well, or? well you, you, I can't actually be with them oh, off okay. season. Um, but okay. but I do refer them to tournaments, Got it. and I do suggest like the West Fourth tournaments. It's good. That's yeah. where the best of the ballers come from all different levels of basketball. So that's still good basketball. Um, you know, sometimes the female dynamics get tricky because of scheduling, but the guys they flood in. Um, so you know, if you want to be, if you want to play good basketball, you're around it all the time. Another thing. Tell me, tell me about. So, it was very important for me to have a woman mm-hmm. be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. You happen to be the first. Oh, that's Hopefully, not the last. Nah, you won't be the last. Right. We, we got to get more we women in here. We won't let that happen. Um, because I find, and, and again, being a father mm-hmm. of two girls, mm-hmm. it's it's and and wow. trying to push them to sports. You're blessed. Thank you. I have three kids. <laughs> two of them are girls. Um, They'll come and see Coach Felix soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, things are very different mm-hmm. for a female athlete, Absolutely. right? Um, especially someone who's risen to the heights that you have, yeah. both as a female athlete in the Division One school, 
also as a coach, what would you say outside of I guess the the obvious, right? right. What would you say are the bigger the challenges that you guys face? Look, at, I'm even saying you guys because right. this is what right. people right. you know socialize. Right. But like, you, you face all these different hurdles right. as a female athlete. What would you say is the most significant? You as as an athlete, and I think yours are probably going to be different than what you observe others that right. are facing now. Right. Right. Um, there's still that comment, and it's interesting because I played in the three on three tournament Sunday at the county center. Okay. Thirty teams. I was I, for the last four years. I've been the only female. This year there was one other female. She wasn't in my same division, um, and 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 I guess they said I'm on the board for this organization, Backyard Sports, and I guess mm-hmm. they tend to forget that I'm actually 38 now mm-hmm. because they've had me playing. It's an open division, so the guys there are anywhere between 25, 26. They're mid college guys. It's a mix. Yeah. And um, I've always like, I've, you know, it's, I've had a team of four. I used to put a team for Newflex, and this year I played on the organization's team and. And so here it is, this dynamic. And so this is the unsaid about being a woman in sports. Yeah. When you're young, when you're younger, when you're 10 years old, 11 year old, a lot of times you can, you're, just like with football, you can play football with a boy. Yeah. At 11 to 12. Yeah, there's then, not a huge difference right, in body so and as weight. as you're growing up, you're playing with the guys. That's a dynamic. and But you still do go through the thing where you come, like, you saw loving basketball. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's a girl. Right. You still go through that. Right, right, right. And guys, in the nature of even protecting us, Cause it's not always about, it's not always about she sucks. It's always like um, I, you know, I don't know. So football is a bigger sport, and it may feel like, nah, I'm protecting her. Right. Like I'm not trying to, and it's interesting. So Sunday, I, I sometimes I feel that again. So here I am, and everyone there ultimately knows me and respects me and respects my game. And you know, I'm older too now, so yeah. I might have some college guys. So there's the balance between okay, saying okay, I can sub now because there's a lot of quick guys on this court, so okay. I got to sub. And it was most interesting dynamic because they were showing me the ultimate respect, like you know, you know, just let us know when you want to sub, Ness, you know. And they could have said, Yo, Ness, you want to sub? And what I did was, um, and it was it's tricky because even though, um. They're, they may be quicker and they're younger men. I come with a veteran experience still. Yep. Which is interesting because even when you're playing with the men, it's important. That's and I've valuable. played for the last five years. They didn't know, but the last five years when I played, I actually didn't get off the court. The, and I bought like I bought some I bought an army team. Mm-hmm. Like I bought two dudes. They were like whoa, and I had a point guard. So it was when I, when I got there, I got about four or five assists. I got a couple of shots and I subbed, and I was right in line because it's a half court game. Were they trying to take it easy on you when you say protecting you? Is that it's interesting? And so they were probably protecting the relationship because oh. they would say yo, that sub, and they were like, and and even one of the guys, he's a big time Westchester ball player. He just okay. came from overseas, and he was like, you know, let us know how we're gonna sub. I said, you know, I, I said I'll, I'll start first, and then I'll I'll, I'll sub accordingly if, yeah. if I feel they're too fast I'll make a quick sub and so there was still this <laughs> pressure you see what I'm saying yeah. so everyone's still now if I was another dude I probably would have been like let's go right and so there's still this pressure and so I being the also the the, the sister the older coach um at one point I was like all right and I know the other guy that was off wanted to play so I was like all right you, you got my spot and and they lost the first three games and I did it each game and whether it was because I wasn't playing or not they lost and there are some things I felt that I could have done as a player. Yeah. And you, you can't help it when you're sitting down and watching. And then the last game we won, I played the entire game because one of our players left early. Okay. And so there's still the dynamic. And so, you know, the last game we actually played an easier team, but each of the games that were earlier, we actually lost the team we shouldn't have because there was this swag that they came with. You know, they were, they were better. My team was better. Yeah. But they kind of stepped on the court kind of like, um, and then they lost the game. 
Mm. And so it's interesting. So all that plays, and then if I wasn't a woman, it's mad cerebral. There's a, a lot of things going on. So you say so they're respecting me. Right. I'm trying to respect them. So we're sharing the look. Just I'm not gonna come in here like, oh, I'm I'm Nesta, so right. I'm gonna make this uncomfortable for everybody. And I'm like, all right, guys, you got, I, I, you know, I'll take the next one. I literally sat out for that entire first game. You understand? <laughs> and so if I wasn't a female, I probably would have been like, yo, sub. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, let me. And then I'm on the board, so I made it, but I still wanted to play. Gotcha. Um, and then we were we were struggling with the law, so I was like, all right, let me let them play because I know how it's hard to take out. It's just all of this stuff. And so there is always going to be the unsaid mm-hmm. between men and women in sports. It's always going to be. And when you're younger, um, and now my brothers, my baby brother, he's 6'8", and my older brother, he's 6'4". Wow. We go to gyms, and they're like, yo, I got my sister. And they already know. Like, they know me. Their blood know me. Like, oh, they're like, yeah, we're going to kill this dude. Yeah. And it's and they they are the only two guys that they, they straight up, you would think I was the guy. Like, if they told you we are coming with three, they'd be like, yeah, I got my three and you would never you would know never that the third was lady, me yeah. and they have this level of calm my brother brother if you met him he'd be like yo my coach she, um wants me in practice on time and and you wouldn't even know there would probably be no mention of the coach being unless he's like yeah my sister she's mad nice yeah and he goes in and and this is the six eight i when i go to his games he played college ball and when i would go to his games while the, when the coach they have a quick water break he'd run over to the stand like yo Ness you think I'm, I'm like yo what are you doing in the like, at, you like asking me? you for advice and or so that's the level of and that's my brothers that's and dope. then my older brother like he'll call me you going to Ken's game cause yo he's short and they paint we don't and so it's <laughs> been this you know and that's the dynamic in my life Um, and so it's just that's what's interesting but there is still this respect this guy girl respect and I've been balling 6am in the morning every morning with the firemen and everything in New Rochelle at the Y and like yo where do you find time for all of this I haven't done in a few in a while but I used to every Saturday 6am in New Rochelle all the men the Home Depot staff and I was the only female there and I'm kidding you not there's this guy I used to ball with he was very good his name was Krabby he was being scouted by the Knicks like at night when we were at Iona oh okay he was very good and actually the women's basketball coach she, they were friends and I met him he was his name in New Rochelle Michelle she was um, this was Katrina Mack at the time okay. not Russo she was yeah, good yeah. Come on, I be, try- I be trying. I don't want to just come yeah, and be we can unprepared. We'll talk about that later too. You're good. And so this guy, he was like big boy. His his daughters actually play volleyball here now. Oh, okay. Yeah, his daughters. And so he was just that good. He would come out there, and if he was on my team, I knew it was over. And because his IQ was so high, yeah. so he rebounds, boop, outlet, outlet, boop, and I'm just and my shot just did not miss back then. How about now? And so now, well, you got range. I do. I just. Again, the body just was perfect then. Okay. It was fearless. And so now I'm a little more cautious. I'm older now, so I probably... Yo, can you stop? Can you stop with the excuses of age? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking it out. Like, I wouldn't say... I don't know. It would be nice to see a younger me play an older me. It would be absolutely interesting. I think every athlete would love to see that. <laughs> That's that a series be, you got to do. That would be you so You have to do dope. that. But, like, if you do that, you got to give me credit for that. Because I thought of it it's live. Here. Like, I'm not editing this. The younger me versus the older me. We should do a tournament <laughs> call that. Like younger version, that would be fun. Yep. That'd be dope. Yep. So, so man, it's just just good stuff. And lo and behold, this guy and and this what happened? There was a guy there who like personally they were egging him on. They were like, "Yo, you gonna let her shoot? She's been shooting. Yeah. Like, yo, you gonna stop Ness? Are yeah, you? Yeah, you yeah. And I was just on fire. And again, it wasn't even just me. It was this he had this guard who could okay. pass through like five, and then every it was an outlet or bounce or and and he just he took me out that day. He threw me like into the stand like. 
Yeah. And what, you just dusted off and no, got right back I up? I ended up having surgery yeah. after that. Oh! <laughs> yeah, he oh. took me out. And so, um, but, you know, so there's still that dynamic. Now, I could have been a, a guy in that still. He was yeah. like, yo, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. but they were like, they have it like, yo, you yeah, know Yeah, it was, it was like, extra because you were you gonna, Yeah, and so even, and then we were playing, then I, I talk a lot of garbage too. So as the game was going, I knew he was getting really pissed. Tight. Yeah. And he's a he's a ball player. He's a very he was a good ball player also, but he just like <laughs> You couldn't hang. So you know, but it's So like, you killed him. Yeah, man. Can we say his name? Nope. Uh uh, there's too many followers on this one. But I will give a shout out to Spoon, aka Gary. Gary's my boy. He says that I'm the only female in Donna Tarasi that ever beat him. You know, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. said there's only two females that ever be him in basketball. All right, Spoon. That's, that's big. Spoon from Mount Vernon. He's a man. He's a big time. That's he's dope. very good friends with ben. Ben, ben. ben was a buddy of mine to Ben Gordon. Because oh, Benny G. Yeah, They yeah. were friends. And I was at Iona. We were at Iona then, but you you had already left, I yeah, think. Yeah, I went to UMass. When he went to U. Oh, that's where you ended up. Yeah, I went to UMass. Finished yeah, off so there. I used to let all the guys crash. Like, like disclaimer and I was like yo where you at and I let some of the guys in the back gym and Iona for open gym Damn. like Ben Gordon used to come to Iona for open gym oh, you guys, yeah, he, and the day he got signed to to, to the Bulls to Ben no to UConn oh Gary they, they we were still at Iona okay and yes. um, I think I think I was a senior and they all were like yo guess what happened I was like no because I knew him through some of the guys at Mount Vernon yeah. and they all came out to Mount Vernon like yeah yeah, and I didn't realize Mount Vernon was next door, but just the world of basketball. It's just exciting for me. I it's love a it. small, love it. it's a small world. It's, I appreciate it every day. It is like it is. Yeah, it is my my my. What should I call? It? I should probably do a poetry piece on it. Yo, do you write poetry? <laughs> I do. What don't you do, Nesta? I can spit for you now. <laughs> Yo, let's go. Let's go. I can spit about my muse called basketball. I mean, it's got me dribbling like taking it to the hoop and all. Like the greatest thing about me is I just love this game. It's brought me notoriety, like riches and a whole lot of fame. Like this is the craziest thing. Some people look at me just a sweet dame, but all because of the basketball. I got a name to proclaim. What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, it's the snacks. The fingers. Fingers. So where did you write that? Is that in the office no, somewhere? I just said it right Off now. Off the dough? Off the dough. Yo, Ness. You. Yo, you killing me. You know why you killing me? Because now I feel like I don't do enough about life. Yo, that's insane. Yo, I'm going to kill that. That's going everywhere. Um, yeah, man. So, so you were... An assistant coach at Monroe College. I was. I was. Seven years, I believe. Eight, eight and a half. Eight. eight, eight and oh, a half, eight and a half. I was there till I left in 2009. Yeah, with okay. Seth And then before that, mm-hmm. where were you? Before that, I started coaching there when I was 22. Right. Okay. I was so going to say. So right that, out of, that right was right out of my own. I did, I did one year in law school. And while I was in law school, I started coaching. Um, and Seth, I met Seth. He actually was looking for me to play for this, 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 like, this, this, some of this league he had. And he came to a men's game. I was coaching these 30-year-old guys, and he goes, whoa, do you want to be a coach? And just, sure. What is it with you and, like, just getting these walk-on <laughs> opportunities? That's when you do things. Like, I tell people, when you're always active, you're bound to run into opportunities. And that's what my whole life is. Like, I don't even have time, time to plan for the next thing because I always end up in it. That's dope. And so I, I told the students, I tell them that every day. I, tell, I talk, spoke to them at, yesterday at the college. I said, you've got to internships. you got to meet people, and you're, you're going to always have a job. You're going to always have something to do. And then you have to give. Yeah. So when much is given, much is required, you have to give and you have to be willing to, to just really, you know, I, I enjoy life. I, I tell people I'm happier than 90% of the people in the world. Hey, everybody. This is Emilio the Poet. 
debuting my spoken word poetry book, I'm a poet and you know it, volume one. As one reader called it, it's the best I've read since Maya Angelou. So come, see what all the fuss is on I'm a Poet and You Know It, Volume 1, available on Amazon.com and via Instagram at Emilio underscore the poet and on Facebook at Emilio the poet. Thank you much. Doodaloo! Mm-hmm. Well, you, you definitely give that vibe <laughs> off, for sure. Um, so you, you started coaching at Monroe. <laughs> Before Monroe is when you started NewFlex, is that correct? I actually, NewFlex was my thesis in my master's program. Okay. So it, that's a, just another beautiful story because um, I did my master's at Monroe while I was working there. Okay. And I was probably one of the first staff to actually do the, complete the master's program because it had just started. And so I got myself in there for free and it was a blessing. And um, I wrote NewFlex was actually initially intended to be, um, so I actually started out with a project. Okay. I was creating a product. And then I was like, no, let me just create a service. And I always wanted, from the time I was at Iona, I always wanted to create a program for young people. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, let's just start out. And so I started with New Flex Hoops. And it was a program that was designed to, to mentor girls through sports. And then um, I actually received an organizational grant from Monroe for $1,000. It was a competition amongst other grad students. It was my first grant. It was $1,000. And two, a year later, um, Monroe actually let me go. And it was on, on good terms. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and lo and behold, like I never imagined the program, but unlike a lot of people, when they shift, they don't know what to go to. I had been running New Flex about a year and a half okay. while I was a staff there, and all the college students were volunteering, and so we were literally building it. And I think the staff, well, they were. They were probably wondering, because I was driving around with the logo on my truck, and mm-hmm. there I am at the college, and they were like what, wondering what it was, and it just kind of took flight. And so when I left Monroe, um, I literally like that day, I remember I literally almost like floated out the campus and I went to the library and I was working on the program and I just never looked back. Like literally the moment that you left, your I first stop was the library. That day. Even the head coach, he actually came looking for me that day because actually, um, you know, a lot of students were hearing and I was a big figure there because I was in charge of student life. I was the student life coordinator. Okay. So I did all the clubs, all the events. And so they were hearing that like Miss Felix is, is not there. No, no so it was like there. a huge, huge deal. Um, and so... The, the head coach came looking for me at the library. He was like, you know, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I was like, oh, I'm great. And I started, and I just never looked back. I didn't even have an office then. Mm-hmm. Um, Newflex was just operating out of space and, and just, but, it, like, I couldn't even, in, in just in this show, go into the depth of what the program has been and has done for the community. Um, but it's been absolutely amazing. And um, and just to, you know, even when I was sharing with you about the Good Morning America piece, it was um through th- one of the such programs where I do a lot of Robin Hood type things where, mm-hmm. I'm a mentor. I partner with programs that are more affluent, yep. just so that I can scholarship children, and that's pretty much my life consists of year round. And so wherever I am, so if I'm here, I took this job because I knew all the children that could come here. Right. Um. And so and it's worked out well, and to the point where I had to catch myself because I was going through some difficulty just building um as a program because it's, it's it's tough when you're building a program from scratch. But Definitely. I had to remind myself that my responsibility um to those children are more important than what my rights are. Like you know, who am I? To have rights, right? You know, um, and so that's what I've been designed for. Like, that's it's very in noble. My DNA. Yeah, and I get it. And sometimes you lose sight of that. We all do, because it, we're like, oh my God, you know, against I'm racing against time. I yeah. need to take care of me. And but you got to step back and remember that if you are truly like giving and taking care of others, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and so so I, I've been blessed. Um, it, it's a journey. Some days it gets you know like okay, Ness, you know, take, you're doing a, a lot. Break. Yeah, I do go there. But then you know, this is my happiest. And um. 
and I'm grateful. So how many years now <laughs> have you been with the pro with New, with Flex? New Flex? So it's been eleven. Oh, it's going on eleven years in June. Wow, eleven years. So two thousand eight. Um, started June of two thousand eight. How many yeah. kids would you say have gone through the program? Wow. Um. So um, it's been hundreds because basically every year we probably register another like about a hundred plus children because we have about eight after school sites, mm -hmm. and so children register through the sites, and then that's a caveat by which we bring children into the mentoring programs. Okay. So once they register for sports or basketball, particularly, they, they're able to come to all our other programs, and we do hooping to college programs. So now that I'm here, um, I host the children one or two, a few games, that they get to come here and play at halftime and meet the team, and, and my players get to mentor with them, and so and I do it at, um, wow. at, at Iona. I do a couple of Iona events. I do it at Monroe still. Um, I do one or two games. Um, and I was at Fordham the other day, so hopefully I'll be doing a sister program at Fordham. And so that's kind of what we try to do. And um, so when I bring the sports intern, I teach them that dynamic. And then um, then I do the private sessions. I train the coaches to start doing sessions with the children, um, but just to build relationships. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. Cool things, yeah. What, what um, so I guess backtracking a little <laughs> bit. So you, you, you did all this stuff <laughs> in academia. <laughs> You got to Monroe, assistant coach there for a while. You focus more on on your Netflix. Net okay. I want to say Netflix. Because it's, it's, it's natural. <laughs> Netflix hoops. Hopefully it's better for marketing. So. <laughs> um, and, and then you ended up at Yeshiva University. Mm -hmm. Now tell me that experience. Yeah, oh wow. Um, so I was at Woodlands coaching the high school, and then um, when I left that, I was there for two years. And it was actually, that was a job that I did apply for. I saw it. Um, probably just said, oh, let me apply. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for them it was a big deal because it was a new change. They had had a woman there for 25 years who oh, was wow. a professor. Okay. And so um, so they were ready for a change. Um, so she was like a part-time coach? She was right, and she Got was a full-time professor. professor. Um, it was an absolutely um, amazing experience, very different. Um, you know, you have these ladies who observe Sabbath. And so, of course, Friday practices, we were having very early practices. Mm -hmm. And these are girls, when I got there, the AD showed me the schedule. He goes, okay, so Mondays, Wednesdays, and, and, and Thursdays is practice. And I was like, well, where's the rest of the schedule? Mm -hmm. And so in 25 years, they had never practiced six days a week. And that's what the typical is. Right. So we're like, okay, this has to change. And so my captains, who heard they were having a new coach, came to me and me like, coach, we heard that we're going to be practicing five and six days. I was like, yeah. They're like, you know, that might be too much. And so, and literally, <laughs> I changed the tradition. That was a culture, and it became, and they, most of my ladies never missed a day of practice. And they became, so you had a yeshiva. They were getting killed by 40 points a game, and we started, like, losing it over time, winning. We built a couple of wins, and we um, actually ended up on um, the Daily News. I actually did an article on me because it wow. was a big deal in, in the Jewish world, the Jewish, the Jewish papers. Um, and so it was this woman at the rim of yeshiva basketball now. Um, so it brought some change. Um, I had this big girl who was literally um, out rebounding across NCAA basketball. She, hmm. Her numbers were like 18 rebounds a game, Damn. 13 points. Um, Rebecca Yosher. Okay. She was like 6'2". Um, she just was awkward, but she could play. Um, she had that fundamental basketball yep. um, in her belt. And, um, and it's crazy because the, for the three seasons I was there, every year I had one great player that I wish they could have met. Because oh. I would have, probably would have made history. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I, and I did change the face of the basketball there, but I would have. Like, so if you had, oh damn. So it was like literally they would miss each other by like they a year. They would miss each other. So Rebecca Yosha graduated because she was a senior when I got there, mm -hmm. and then I had this other great player that came. Um, um, another, another, another. Stephanie Greenberg. Stephanie came actually my third year, my second year. Wow. So she missed Rebecca, but she was very good. And then um, my 
third year um, because also a lot of them they come from Israel so they don't yep. come as freshmen yep. it's another thing so oh. they serve after high school oh that's serve, right and so they serve they go there to Israel for a year um, and so I even learned that um, so even with recruiting I'd start to recruit and out of one young lady who I met in high school and I was like oh so I had to wait a year for her like I literally left the year she was coming in that year and actually some things had gotten tricky with that which is why I had transitioned from that job I was like okay oh. um, but you know but good, all good things um, and so just just experiences to have it under your belt, and um, they were actually mentoring in New Flex too. Like I would bring them up here, That's dope. And so you know you're taking these girls out of their bubbles, right? And you know New Flex girls got to be exposed to, and, and they played in skirts, so yeah. They, no way. So um so there's a culture, there's a Jewish culture sure. that some of the ladies um what happens is some of them could can and cannot, and some of them are still leaving their parents home, so they're still 17 and 18, they're right. still um so there's a, a culture that they you know they cover their arms, right, right. and so they would. Um, especially I had my captain one year she was getting married actually once they get married they have to also cover their heads mm -hmm. so the year she got proposed to was like literally at the end of our season and we were um, competing and now she's going to marriage counseling and all these things and I that itself was experience for me wow. and I mean one practice I had to like excuse her she was just under so much pressure um, but that's a family life and that's the sacrifice and that becomes more important sure um, but she was a competitor so the actual girl that she is she wanted to play <sighs> And so I actually went to her wedding after. Oh, yeah, it was, like, was it here in the States? It was actually, um, it was in Tarrytown upstate up here. Okay. One of the most beautiful weddings I'd ever, ever been to. Like, I mean, hundreds, of, it was just packed. And just wonderful. What so, what conference did Yeshiva play in? Like how, they're, they're, they're Hudson Valley, Hudson okay. River, Hudson River Valley Division Three. So they play against College of New Rochelle, Sunny okay. Purchase, Lehman. Those are the schools in their conferences. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots wow. of college basketball. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> and you also won Coach of the Year. I did. So I was at Yeshiva. I was co-coach of the year. Um, there okay. was another coach that we shared that title with. Um, and then, yeah, if you come to my other offices, you get to see all the, like, coaching stuff, all the accolades. And my, uh, my other office is very cool, too. And where, where are the championships that you won? Um, there, well, actually, I do have quite a few of my rings here. Where you got rings? I do. Oh. We're going to need to take some pictures oh, of those yeah. rings. Like, okay, so I can pull out my ring drawer. Damn. So these are some of the rings. Um, some of the rings. And I have, like... No, we're gonna put them all. So at at W now most of these these are all Monroe College. So that's national championships and regional championship rings. Let me see that one. That's probably one of my. It's not even the prettiest. No, we don't worry. We're gonna oh open them God. up. Okay, this. So I started when you start when you get rings, you start to go okay. Um, why am I ordering a female ring when a ring is a trophy on your finger? So that was a female. A lot of females were ordering these Yo, can rings. can I put this on for a second? Absolutely. I don't want to tarnish it, you know. And you can see the year on it and the record. If you look inside the ring, it'll tell you the record. That was at Monroe College. Um, you'll see the record inside of it should have the record. That will probably blow you away more than everything else. Do you see the ring? It, should, it might be on the side. Oh, maybe it is. So no, I can't see it. Damn. Oh, look at that. So Y'all so going to have to look, check look, out the look, Dribbling now Dimes now Instagram. right here. Is what it is. How much? Uh, what is our season record? Thirty-one and two. Damn. Thirty-one wins. What year was losses. this? That was um. That's how. You, that's another thing when you know you're doing it. When you guys say, "What year is it?" Because yeah, because you. Did. This was um. Thirty-one and two champions, Felix. Yo, yo, you you got you you guys got to tune into the uh, Instagram for dribbling dive so you can see these rings. Here. Yeah, this is pretty. These are so bananas. Let's see if it's on the other one. Maybe I'll don't. Know. Don't worry. Don't stress. That's There's too many. You got too many. Five years. <laughs> you got too many. That's how could you always remember these things? That's funny. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take some pictures of these. <laughs> um, man. So, 
I'm sorry. I, I, got, <laughs> the, the I, got, bling, the I got lost the bling right left now. These diamonds are killing me right now. Um, so that's so that's I get to wear these when I'm telling my players yo, they gotta focus. That's and, significant. And get it. And so it's nice. And and, and you know, it's, of course, it's no credit of my own because Seth Goodman, he was an amazing coach at Monroe. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to coach with him. I learned everything I learned from him because he was my first coaching job. He was a great recruiter, mm. very good. And wins come with very good recruiting. recruitment. That's, I mean, that's the key. If you're going to have a good team, and you can coach a team that's weak to win, you can you can do that. You can coach. But if you have a combination, holy smoke. What, <laughs> what would you say, from your experience, mm-hmm. players that you've seen, mm-hmm. who stri- strikes you as the most notable player to come out of New York that either you've witnessed or you've heard about or you've just seen from your experience? Um, that I've coached or that... Could be. You could pick. Whatever, like, well, if I, if you if somebody says best player you've seen come out of New York, and I, I'm saying New York, but I really mean the New York metro area. Right, right, right. Who who comes to mind? Yeah, see. Well, it's good that I can think. It's good that I have to think about it. Um, yeah, it's a lot. I can get well currently. I can give Tina Charles some love. You know, mm, Tina Charles. She's yeah. a you know a Christ the King girl, yep. and you know, um, so she gets a lot of love. So she's current. Um, yeah, she um, she be handling her business. I'm gonna give you know what I'm gonna give players that I've come in contact with some love to like, even though because some people don't know, even because I think he was from Queens, Ron Artez. Yeah. But you know, I remember him, even though he he didn't know how to act when he got to the WNBA to the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I remember him from streetball, and since we're talking about New York City, like you know, I had encountered him in Kingston Troop Park. Okay. And so it was interesting for me. This is when I was still like unaware of the big picture. Yep. And then um, I later heard of him. So his era was coming out. I think we were at a tournament. I was with a whole bunch of female ball players, and he was there. And um, and it was like, yo, you know who that is. He and was then, at Christ the King at the time. No, he was. Oh, at, this, he was, was this was Street Paul. This was like. No, I mean, but age wise, he was of high school age. No, he was. Um, oh. No, he wasn't high school age. He was older. I think okay. he was. Okay. Yeah. St. John's. Okay. Yep. And so, um, so it's interesting, you know, not knowing what the world is then. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's somebody that comes to mind because I can relate to him in my world, and I I came in contact with him. Right. Um, from the college arena. Um, who I had this young lady that played for Monroe. Her name was Fantasia Goodwin. Okay. And she, I have, because I've, I've had quite a few players go overseas. Yep. And she, um, because and she also tried out for the WNBA. She was the six men on the bench at Syracuse. Oh. So she was big to me, and her name was Fantasia Good- Goodwin. Goodwin. Okay. So that's just dope. So the name stands out yeah. to me. Um. So that's some of those experiences. Um. High school ball players. You know, I have a relationship with with boys and girls high school. Sure. So um so I know some players that um there's actually and Rice, no longer Rice no longer school, active no longer but active yeah they had a lot they had, they had a lot of talent um you know and I can refer back to some of my Iona days um Iona the guys we had our era was one of the best teams that had left Iona College with Tim Welsh okay yeah that's and Kashif Hamid mm-hmm. he's oh and I can get you some interviews with these guys say no Cash, more. Kashif Hamid played overseas. He's actually the principal at one of the Eagle Academy schools currently. Oh, dope. Phil Grant, he also, same era, class of 2001. Yep. Mac Conference Championship, two years before they played Syracuse in 1990. You know, that was the year you were there, 99. 99, yeah. And they lost. And then, um, and, but they're all doing well. Like most of these guys, um, Tyree Wilson, he, Tyree Wilson, 
He's actually a correctional officer at Rikers. He's um, oh, wow. he's from Rice. And then, you know, when I tell you about relationships, and we have ongoing social media. Oh, that makes sense. Because I remember Kenny Satterfield came on a recruiting visit to Iona. Right. Before he right. picked That's up what Cincinnati. Because Chief Mid was playing. Right. And they were coming to look at him. But now that and you Cash say this. And had a this. bad game that day. It was like a big thing that everybody was looking at him. Oh. Yeah, so it's interesting. And so my era, in fact, I went to Pittsburgh last season with three of the guys. I went with Phil and Cash. We went to go see Iona. Oh, and dang. so Iona, they've been kind to me. They've been kind. They actually gave me the Humanitarian Award to last year. Wow. So they've been, yeah. So they've been, so I keep them close. You don't have to say about relationships. Yeah. yeah. You know, we put investments into that school. We yeah. should be holding on to those relationships. Take, taking some advantage but, of um, that. But look at the world of sports. You know, it's like, it's just, I'm telling you, I can't understate it. So I can't good, overstate it. Good Morning America, mm-hmm. you were on the show. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it earlier, but mm-hmm. let's, I want to talk a little bit more about it. I, I wasn't aware of this. I should have been doing some research, but I wasn't. You pull up in the in the NF van, uh, the NF whip, the flex, the flex, which is oh which is snap! I didn't even and catch. It was by no, it was absolutely not coincidental when they when they surprised us with it. Yeah, they didn't even realize that. That's crazy. It's like you know the new flex flex. Wait before you leave, I'm going to show you the video. You'll get the honor. You have to leave on that note before you leave. Like Bet. when we go off air. Bet. I don't. You have to see it. Like, That's so like I said, dope. you cannot. It's gonna. You're gonna walk away like holy smoke, and um, it's been absolutely amazing. And and so um, it's just kind of pulled the world, made the world smaller for the program. Of course, everybody thinks I'm rich after it also, sure, too. So sure. people just think you just hit the jackpot. You are. just Maybe but, not monetarily, but in true. spirit. You That's know? true. But it was absolutely one of the dopest things. Like I could actually leave the world at some point 50 years from now. More. Like let's, 90, try, let's try more. And say... <laughs> Like I did something really, really cool. So, so you you met Tim Tebow. Uh-huh. He and who else was there? Um, so Tim Tebow and so the Good Morning America staff. They actually recorded um in Mount Vernon. Okay. And so, but the show was streaming. So Robin Roberts, she was at the at in the, the studio. Station. But yeah. the producer, I actually met her a year prior, and I was doing something in the community with the children, and so she was just kind of taken aback, and she was like, "Well, where where are you guys from?" And I actually her had her son in one of my groups. Ah. And so she was like, I want to do something for you. And literally, it took a year of ongoing communication. Um, I would sometimes, it'd be months, and then I'd say, did you get the proposal? Because she said, send me something. I want to help. Yep. And then um, about almost a year later, I was trying to get T-shirts for like 200 children in the community. And I was looking for sponsors. And mm-hmm. so I reached out to her and, uh, um, and Kim Hampton in the WNBA. Okay. And so I was like, if anybody wants to just put their logo on the back, you know, we need shirts. Right. And then she sent me, she's like, Nesta, I have an idea. And she goes, like, we want you to be our holiday hero. And it was actually, it was first it was called Angel Lives in Mount Vernon. And then it was, it turned into holiday hero. And so, lo and behold, like, I was, like, the Christmas holiday hero of Westchester. And wow. so it did a lot for Mount Vernon. Yep. It just gave them a lot of love that was overdue. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it just really, really did a lot for the program. They actually re- renovated our office spaces. My office looks nice. Wow. They did that, and there was all the surprise, and, and then they did some other stuff I'll let you see. Well, we, we kind of skipped over a bunch because you, you talked about New Flex as a place that didn't have a home. Okay. Now you're talking about a right. redone office space, right. so you have a home. Right. Out of Mount Vernon? Yes. So okay. that's where our headquarters are. And, and that home came before that. Yeah. show um it was just through partnerships and the mayor the prior mayor ernie davis mm-hmm. he's been really good to the children in the program and then the current mayor supported it and so um so that's the community center in mount vernon and they've just kind of given us a space there wow. and um that combined with the sponsorship has just really helped to stabilize 
damn. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to be like, and Denzel came and not yet. Well, mean, you get to meet. Well, he does a lot with the boys and girls club yeah, down the yeah, block. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, you you know, he and J.B. Smooth. Yeah, like, that's you know, right. J.B.'s from up there, too. Yep. So if you if you're active in Mount Vernon, you're gonna run into some cool people because like even at the Dole Center, um, um, Heavy D's mom, she works downstairs, mm. and she's there every day, and so you'll you'll run into some. It's interesting because it's a small town, but it's a vibrant minority town too. So it should you should have a lot of significant people coming out of there, and all the great ball players yeah. coming out of there. That's a town of that's what we gotta do. Try to see if we can get Ben. On your show at some point, that but that's a town of Lowe's Moore. He's the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club. He's a huge NBA name. Okay, and he's a big time. Um, um, the, the two, McCray um, brothers and the two, um, Ray and Gus. Williams. Oh, Gus they Williams, both, yeah. One of the brothers passed. Yeah, so yeah. one of the brothers passed. I uh, think it was Gus. last year, but we'll yeah. not even say so. It's the wrong one, but they're both out of that town. So Mount Vernon has carried a lot, and then. You know, one of the top high school programs in the top. Yeah. They're there. Rob Semino, he's he's there. He's really good people. And so, um, so yeah. Damn. So this is your, well, I guess this is your home now because you, yes. you're from Brooklyn. It's So you're the, you're the second Brooklynite on the show so uh-huh. far. Okay. And, and I always say this, and, and you tell me if this is true, but I, I feel like it is. You know, my, we're, we're from the Bronx. And so the Bronx and Brooklyn – don't necessarily. I wouldn't say we don't get along. That's not true. We're, we're very competitive with each other. People from the Bronx tend not to go to Brooklyn and vice versa. But when you look at us, we're like the same people, more so than I think any other dynamic of boroughs. We're very similar in a lot of characteristics. But you now live in Mount Vernon. <laughs> now, but you, see, that's the thing about me. And you know how you go. You do a lot. Yeah. That's the difference. I've never attached myself to any one place. See, you're different. And that's what, like, even and, and what I've learned, and it's scriptural. Because remember, if you read the Bible, there's something that says a, a man is least accepted in his own home. Mm. So when you move about, you never come with the strain of the town. You come about like, okay, let's go. So that's why I always am happy-go-lucky. I'm always like, almost you're disaffected. You're not, not, you're not unaware or it's not a disrespect or you're not yeah. desensitized yeah, to yeah, yeah. but you're ready you come with a ready with a readiness and eagerness for change right. and and people need that um and so i come into places ready i'm like oh why can't we do this and someone else may be like well we've tried many times and it didn't work and i'm like well um let's i haven't go. tried right and that that's a different spirit and then people a lot of times are willing and there is some kind of like oh yeah well why are you doing it yeah, what's I, so special but about you it? have to respect it and understand it if you know that it exists and you embrace it and be like well I, I got your back let's try it again I got mm-hmm. you that's a big way and so there's no place that um there is an importance it's very important to be connected to Europe where you're from because you need the resources of, yeah you need those that support you know a lot of times I'm doing things I'm reaching out to so as much as I told you about Mount Vernon I can tell you just as much about New Rochelle I can tell you just as much about White Plains and it would actually blow your mind the connections that I have in all those towns that are similar doesn't surprise me um, one so, bit. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, so that that's my strength. Like, that's my niche. Like I'm a huge networker. I absolutely love people. And even like today, for example, when I was coaching, there were two young ladies at the table, and they came with their cultural um, response to me. So when I came to get the the stat sheet, they were I knew they were two young girls, so they were probably were like, "Who's she?" And then mm. and my response to them like. My my talk, but I was joking and teasing, breaking the ice, and they were ready to be um, to be um, controversial almost, yep. um, and not even in words, just in spirit and yep. energy. And they didn't realize that I was coming with love, and so they were just ready to go. And so I caught it, and because I work with young people, I'm like, baby girl, 
you didn't give me no love mm. and they just melted and so that's what I don't like to leave spaces where I don't impact a spirit and so that's cool wow. and so and lo and behold the young lady at the table was on the basketball team there and I'm the women's basketball coach here huh. so if we didn't connect I connect with two young ladies today in different ways like that and if we didn't connect and I wanted to I didn't have much time to talk to her I wanted to tell her always greet others with a smile and when she found out that I was a coach at the, she was like I saw her eyes lit up because I'll be at their games this season. Right. And so you just don't understand. And so one of the things I try to teach our young ladies is to be, that's called being recruitable. And so mm. in all walks of life, and it, it impacts our girls' opportunities because they, they have walls. Sure. They have walls and they, you know, they don't know. And then here I am, this black woman walking in the gym. So um, you know, in their world, it's, you know, it's something's something's off right. in their world from, so, from so the that, norm. That's that's the, so I like to leave spaces that haven't impacted people and and like I said, it's just been this gift that guys given me that I've gotten better at it. Um, you know, like I had one of my coaches the other day um, deal with something. I also learn how to catch the things, situations that can they can be big and deal with it quick. Even in practices, you know, you can actually see a player that you don't like what they're doing, and I could say. Um, you need to leave my gym. Mm -hmm. But I can say, baby girl, if you don't fix that, it's not going to work in this practice. Right. And learning how to do that is big. And you get better at it over the years. You really, and sometimes I go, wow. Like, you I, shock you, yourself. You get really, it becomes a skill, um, just a people skill. And, and, and being able to even delve harsh. My play, my coaches say it all the time. They're like, coach, I don't get you. And like, I'll have hmm. a coach come into my gym like, um, you guys aren't supposed to be here. And I'm like, no, we are. And my my coaches will get, I can feel their defensive energy. Sure. Like they're like, yo, even my players are like that. Like, I know they're not coming at my coach. Right. And I'll literally like, I'm like. Diffuse the situation. And I'm, like, I'm like, you know, if you need anything. Yeah, and it takes a lot of discipline. Um, because sometimes you're in the right to, to, to respond, but sure. you really learn so many tricks of just emotional management and managing people, and you realize that every relationship you can run into again. And so, and it's so important, like, you know, you try, you don't burn bridges, you know, most places you go. There's some people you run into anybody, you won't, people won't have a negative thing to say about you because unless they're just malicious. Right. And, and their intentions, because you can never stop the evil in the world. Sure. You know, fully, but, but those are things, and it's people skills. Yeah. <laughs> yo, Ness. I mean, I knew it was going to be special, but yo, you hit me with so many gems. Um, very cool, very cool. What do you think about the state of basketball generally? Mm -hmm. Pro, mm -hmm. I mean, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of converse, conversation. I'm, I'm a huge NBA guy. Mm -hmm. I wish I was more of a college mm -hmm. guy, to be honest with you. But there's, a, there's always a conversation about how significant New York basketball mm -hmm. players have been through college and also in mm -hmm. the pros. More recently, I'd say there's probably now kind of a resurgence mm -hmm. of it, but there's been a lull for a long period of time. Okay. How do you see the world, especially as it relates to New York basketball, okay. into the higher ranks? Okay, so two questions you asked me. First, when you said, how yes. do you see basketball? I was like, okay, I had an answer when yeah, you said yeah, New yeah. York. Answer that one first. I'm a huge Knicks fan, and I just need them to get yes, better. Like, yes, I'm we are. I'm such a big Knicks fan. Like, I'm not going to let them go. I will never let you go, Knicks. I want it to be said publicly. I will always have your back. Yes, me too. I need it to get better. Did you and see so, the game on Tuesday? I didn't. I haven't. I haven't gotten my grind into. So I've been. I'm okay. way off. I just like saw some clippings today. Of, Did you record it or something? Are you gonna no, get to it? No, and I need to. No, but I need to start doing it. I'm, I'm behind, and so I've been like just trying to swipe through everybody's records. But okay. I'm gonna catch up this weekend because I'm in fact on my way down to Delaware. I'm okay. gonna be listening to the radio. I was gonna yeah, say watch yeah, the yeah, games yeah. <laughs> while I'm driving. So I'm gonna catch up. Is there something special that you need to tell me that I missed though? Fill me in. It was. It was a dope game. Really? Against Atlanta. Do you want me to tell so, you what the most special part of it was? Or do you want to wait? 
The Knicks in the second quarter scored the most points in a quarter in franchise history. No way. Yeah, 42 That's points. That's really dope. Really, really yeah. dope. Okay, so I'm excited about that good, so I know what I'll be looking at because I'm going to watch They played Brooklyn today. Okay. While we were in the car, we were listening to the game. Okay. Not as excited about not as excited. what it ended up. Well, I don't know what it ended up being, but uh, up until we listened to it. Now, do, now, now, Brooklyn, do you support Brooklyn Nets as much or do, now that they're I, a New York team? Are I, I got to be honest with you. I look at the Brooklyn Nets still like, as, like the still little brother of the Knicks. Okay. okay. Not that I hate them. I just, I still look at them as the New Jersey okay. Nets. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you still, yeah, it's going to be a hard transition, I think, for everybody. And I think when the Knicks start to hold it down, people can focus on something else. Right. Yeah, because I just I just want to see greatness. I mean, Knicks is supposed to be attached to greatness, like that it name. Should be. And it's New York. That's what it is. New York has, you know, um, Yankees lost the other day too, right? They sure yeah. Did. So so sports is just going through, and we we just want to be uh, the place again. We, <laughs> like, we, come on, already. something has to happen. Yeah, you know, I I feel sometimes I feel like it's unnatural what the Knicks have gone through. I go like, man, this can't be normal. This I mean, this, a lot of it has to do with terrible management. That's what they're saying, but. At the top of the food chain, that, you know, ownership on down. Like it just hasn't been a good. A but good then, like fit. every great player that comes ends up a bum. Right. So it's like it's almost like not natural. Like you know, um, it's almost like it strains good players, and then they're like, okay, I got to get out of here, and then but they start see, to shine again. But see, <laughs> something that you said earlier, I think, is a is a an exact reminder of why things like that can happen. So you get you get the bomb player on mm-hmm. your team, the culture ain't right. You're allowing that player, you're basically, unless it's like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, right, who don't need anything or anyone. They are, they're their own person and they're going to do what they're going to do. Most cases, if you don't have, if the culture isn't right, you're creating a bad atmosphere. Do you think if LeBron James came here, we would have gotten a ring? No. And that's the crazy thing to no. say that. But I think he, we didn't but have I all think, the parts, still, we don't have yeah, the parts. I, but, but I think he would have made the team better. But I don't think we would have won a chip. He went. You can see he on like a lot of frustration because you saw he went yeah. through after that yeah. playoff episode. Yeah. I'm out. You think it was Jr. Was huh? it was it that Jr. moment? Yeah, he's he, he like I'm out. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, look, just stay for them. You know, look, I don't understand all the intricate parts of it, but I'm like, oh, so my greatest moment about sports yeah. is I'm so so proud. Of my brothers. Oh, tell and me. LeBron, he has become the epitome of, like, I'm so proud. I am so proud of what he's doing. It, it kind of oh, makes sorry. me question. I, I thought you meant your blood brothers. Them too. Okay, okay, okay. Just for the record. Got it, got it. But LeBron, like my my, my black brothers yeah, and yeah. my minorities, and what happens, it's, it calls into question why guys didn't do it before. Mm-hmm. Like with all that LeBron's been taking a stand on, it just because it almost made it seem like if how could you not have thought to do that? How the, can you the social impact just stuff the, and the academic impact and yeah. the building when you have that yeah. much wealth? That's what we're we we want to we want to change the world. Yeah, and every day we're waiting for our lump of, and I think that we've been tried and tested a lot of us, and we're waiting for our lump sum. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we may not touch it, but if we can touch them. Right, yeah. and so you almost live virtually through them. You're like, man, he's doing it. He's he's bringing my dream to life. So I'm like, why? That, yeah. In the decades of in, of, of basketball greatness, well, and, and from the time Black stepped in there, you know, why didn't one person say, let me build a school? You know, it kind of calls into question. There's something in- interesting about that because I've been doing so. A friend of ours, he he has a podcast. It's called uh, it's called Absolutely Effing Not is what the name of it is. <laughs> and and uh, shout out to Day Bar is open. Um, so he talks about a lot of things addressing millennials, mm-hmm. right? And so so you and I are at the tail end, the, the old 
millennial. Darn it. <laughs> but, but, but we're still kind of in that world. But still, what, what people talk about with respect to millennials is they're very cause-oriented, more so than previous generations. And so it doesn't surprise me when you say, why okay, hasn't it okay, happened? Okay. I think part of it is where we are in society and, and the evolution of our, our existences. But also, there's more wealth than ever, especially when you talk about basketball players. But inside of them, there is a sense of wanting to mm-hmm. attach themselves to a cause and meaningfully contribute to it, mm-hmm. more so than in other generations. So I think those combinations of things might be why you're seeing more of that stuff with some of these guys. But here's the thing, and, and I, I appreciate that response. Someone said to me, and I wasn't as aware of it. Well, I knew it, but I wasn't as aware of it. Sure. Um, that every couple of generations there's a new cause and some of it is like mm. this is the Black Lives Matter movement mm. before there were there were others um, I, I can't even go down the, the sure. chain but there there were um, and you know again even when Martin Luther King was was, was and, and Malcolm X were moving those were movements our blacks have been even though it's been a slow movement but there's been numbers of them and so in my mind even if it was on a small scale you know like most of our great players have made a greater name for themselves. Mm-hmm. They've endorsed, they've had deals, they've had clothing lines. And, and, but it's just interesting to me, like when I think about, when I, I, I have to, I can't, from the top of my head, I cannot name a major change that they have done in the black community. Mm. I cannot leave a, a footprint. Like, and I don't want to call Michael Jordan out, but he's the greatest of our athlete. He's our yeah. man. Yeah. What has he done but self-wealth? You know, there's sneakers, there's, and, and maybe, he has, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. He might have foundations. He might have, but those are let, right. I, I don't know enough, but I've heard through many sources he owns prisons. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, 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 so that, that means opposite. they have to be. So they're involved in a cause, but it's not our own. And right. so this is this is major to me. And so, of course, Kaepernick put everybody on the. He yeah. he created that standard. Like, wait, he might have triggered something he might have created the ripple like okay wait because everybody now is like mm. i mean even during an all-star game you have your marble you have everyone sitting side by side talking about community service and they were giving money back to causes which they typically do where they do the jump shots and yeah. every jump shot is for a cause right and which they probably half of them aren't aware of right. you know because right, it's, right. it's, it's what their agents have them do we've talked real stuff and so but then you have some of them who are involved in the trenches who are there and when Jordan, when when LeBron does something like that, you he lets you know that there is a constant aching for him. Right. It's a constant. It's a constant. He's actually attaching himself back to his community, back to his school. And I just there's there's this there's a platform. There's a huge platform, and they got it. They have to give. Like they, it's, just, it's not a question. Right. And and they have a lot of money that they can make change. Yeah. There's a lot of money. That not they only can, their own wealth, but wealth that they have. Anybody that they talk to will be right. like, yes, we'll do whatever Absolutely. you Absolutely. One of my young ladies that plays here, and I've been trying to tap, but i tell you, networking. So Marcus Griffin, he, he's a, her, his daughter plays here. Actually, his oh. other daughter just signed with um, UConn. Well, I, I don't know if I should say this on air because I'm not sure if it's public knowledge. <laughs> but so she was mentioning to me, and, you know, the people had been looking, but she officially, I believe, signed with UConn. Okay. The other daughter was going to be playing here. She's not one of my managers now. Okay. And so so I've already been trying to tap in. So I'm like, <laughs> tell your dad we need someone to adopt the program. You know, in my mind, as soon as I can tap into something that I know, and there are few of them that want to do it but you know you get caught up in the life yeah. that you're living yeah. and you know there's a lot to be done and I'm like some people leave this earth and they will just not have done what all they could have done and anything anything useful it's absolutely crazy it is nuts it's absolutely crazy I mean it goes to show like a lot of people talk it mm-hmm. don't necessarily walk it but like you really should be in a position mm-hmm. where 
you're born, you're, you come into a particular mm-hmm. environment, and you should aim to leave where you ended up in a better place. That's a legacy. That's, that's leaving a right, legacy. Right. And that that's important. And so that's my goal. Like, you know, as much as I do most a lot of my days I'm literally scrutinizing how to do it better and more effectively. Because you can do a lot and not reach a lot a large group of people. Sure. And so, you know, I'm at the stage now where I was saying you I'm training a lot of the young people so that they can be able to continue to do that. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. That's important because, um, you know, if, if, if you're gone and everything you're done, no one can carry it on. That yeah. means you haven't really. And that's important for us, you yeah. know. Um, you know, you have your children, your girls, you know, as they're growing, they're going to see daddy doing. And they have to learn the things that they need to carry on. And it's very important. Young people are, Frederick Douglass said that it's my last thought. He says um, that it's better to raise strong children than to repair broken men. And that's the greatest reason why yeah, I connect with young people. Super true. Yeah. They're amazing. And, you know, even when you coach college, there's a lot. You know, when you're coaching a team and you can see that they're taking everything you're saying, it's the greatest thing because you know they didn't know it. And you know that you're getting to give them something. And, you know, they can build from there. And they find it useful and they appreciate it. Yep, yep. You can see you can see even in children when you're teaching your daughter something. Totally. You're like, like, you know, Daddy, you know they're taking it all in. And exactly you're a part you of that progressive growth, you know. Um, but, yeah, so we got work to do. Nesta. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Very Thank much. you. Thank you. How very much, how can so. people reach out to you if you're interested in them doing so? Mm-hmm. Uh, find out more about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe even get involved. If that's something that, that definitely, you definitely. Um, www.newflex.org. That's the website. Um, here at the college, Westchester Community College. Um, it's online. Women's basketball program. Um, um, mentorship opportunities are always really, really great. Um, but the website is, is uh, it has everything there. Um, you can social follow media. us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Snapchatting these days. <laughs> and that's Newflex Hoops? <laughs> Newflex.org. Newflex.org. Um, so because we actually go by Newflex Youth because we do a lot of, we don't want to divert from all the mentoring. So we move by Newflex Youth now, but we do have a lot of programs. And we're in the Bronx also. So um, we actually have two sites that we worked closely with over the last few years, PS16, and we're in District 11 a bit. Okay. So, um, so we're, we're just doing some things. But, yeah, we got a lot going on. I so um, appreciate yeah. this. I know, I know you got somewhere else to be now, and it's yeah, really late, yeah, so yeah. I appreciate that. Excited. Um, Thank you guys so much. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we head out? No, just get involved. Um, you know, this is actually, I believe this is Kindness Month. Oh, I probably didn't know no it. And then actually, what's her name? Um, that big artist now, Cardi B. I Cardi B. So I think I was on a like somebody hit put it on my thing, but I think there's a downloadable calendar, right? There is, right, where you can download the the kindness month, and you download it, and you could just take go through each of those acts every day. Yeah, it's, oh, it's okay. simple, but it's powerful. It is. So, um, but it's been around forever. The kindness month. I, I said I think I'm gonna put it in my ladies' locker room so they can really get on it. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nessa. Thank you so much. And uh, it's a wrap. Yes, yes. Shout out to Dribble and Dimes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribble and Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.